Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. You are tuned in for one hell of an episode, and we definitely want to keep this conversation going with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody. We're not afraid to talk to anybody. We also have the Parlay Points blog section up where there's some new stuff dropping this week. And, Pad, do you know what was so monumental about, about last week? Uh, anniversary? No, that is next week, but we Ooh. will get to that in just, just a second. This was the first time that we had blogs up from Coach Duffy, Dre mm. Driven, and yours truly all wow. in the same week. I know. It was wild. So you want to go check out all that content. We got sports takes. We got movie takes. We got comics. We got pro wrestling. That is what we do on the Parlay of Topics. Stop point that you need to check out each and every day. That's why we say we have so much going on that website. You need to get familiar with it. T Public links because there's a sale going on very, very shortly. Keep an eye out for that as well. The directory, the classifieds, where we got friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, all the amazing pod groups we're in. I know we got so much more to talk about. That's why we say for anything and everything that is the ODPH, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. And, Pad, you alluded to something. I did. So before we get into the sports topic, we just want to put this reminder out to everybody. Next week will be the five-year anniversary of the ODPH. God damn. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. We are getting in a lot of shout-outs from our fellow content creators. So this is the reminders for everybody. If you want to drop in a shout-out, slide in those DMs, shoot us a line with an audio shout-out, whatever you want to talk about. We are definitely adding them in. Definitely got some real hot takes coming into. I've been enjoying hearing everybody's early takes, and like it's, it warms my heart. So that is what I'm saying. If you want to be a part of that five-year extravaganza, if I can use the line from 3FN, definitely shoot us your take. Definitely let's get it in by, we'll say, Tuesday, June June 14th at noon Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. So I get pad enough time to do the edits, and then we get rocking and rolling because we don't want to take anything away from the content of the show. But we definitely want to make sure everybody's invited to the party to help us celebrate Five years of the parlay of topics. Yeah. Man, I get so amped up, I can't even talk. Crazy. I know. But that being said, the people came to hear about sports. They didn't hear hear about commercials. So, Pad, what are we leading off this week's edition with? Uh, Some pro wrestling. All right, so let's talk some wrestling. Now, this was a wild weekend in the WWE. Yeah. I was catching up on it because I was down at GCW Cage of Survival with Rich from 3FN. Did you get covered in beer? No, oh, okay. Bummer. but there was a lot of broken glass. There was some wild stuff going on because we were at the showboat checking out all the insanity that is the Cage of Survival. Crazy Curtis Gaming was down there as well, too. So if you want a more in-depth uh, playback about what happened down there, definitely tune into the latest 607 TWS out in podcast form right now. But like we said, the WWE had a big weekend going on. Pad was on the Twitter talking about yeah. it. So 
Walk me through it. What was going on? Yeah, so of course, starting off the weekend on Saturday from the Capitol Wrestling Center, a.k.a. the WWE Performance Center, was NXT In Your House 2022. Uh, this is the match, uh, one of their match cards I look forward to every year. Uh, a couple of haven't been so good, but this one on paper looked pretty good. Started off the uh, show with, uh, the, you had, what was it, Legardo Del Fantasma? Uh, yes. Uh, taking on uh, Stax, Tony D'Angelo, a and two dimes, uh, with the stipulation of this match being whichever family, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. uh, hello, Dom Toretto has entered the chat, uh, whichever team law or family lost would have to join the other family. And what that exactly entails, we don't know. we got to wait for this week's NXT to air. It is yet to air, so we don't know. They were kind of dropping some implications throughout the match of, oh, what could it mean? What could the hierarchy be? Who's going to do what? So we'll see. This has been an interesting storyline, and the one thing that we have to stress is if you have not been watching NXT 2.0, it is very, very similar to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Some people really enjoy it. Some people are staying away from it. However, though, when I've caught NXT 2.0, it's been mildly entertaining. Like I have yeah. to say, I like it better than I thought I would. Yeah. And this whole storyline between the warring crime families, if you will, <laughs> the heel factions... Has been an interesting one. Yeah. So to see how this all plays out, and I know they'll kind of have some you know wacky hijinks moving forward. Yep. This wasn't that bad of a of a card to set up, and definitely for a match, definitely no. lived up to the expectations. No, so definitely a good match. Uh, and you had uh, Tony D'Angelo, the Don of NXT, mm-hmm. and, and his family emerge victorious, beating Legardo del Fantasma in 13 minutes and 28 seconds. So uh, the Fantasma's family now has to join uh, the Don's family. Well, so like we said, what that entails, what all is going to happen, what crazy hijinks they're going to get up to. We still got to wait and see, but uh, it did uh, take place in 13 minutes and 28 seconds and was a hot, hot way to start off the card and really got the crowd into it. I'm really happy to hear that, too, because D'Angelo I'm not the biggest fan of, but, sure. I, but I heard he did an amazing performance. Oh, he did. He one. did great. And that's how you want to kick off a card. So definitely got everybody excited about this. So let's go from there. Uh, Yeah. So the next card, our next match on the card was for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. And you had the uh, the team of Gigi Dolan and JC Jane from Toxic Attraction take on uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Uh, And you had Toxic Attraction emerge victorious, retaining their belts in nine minutes even. And i got to say... Pretty decent match, all things considered. A little surprised they kept the belts on uh, Toxic Attraction. You know, figured they might drop the belts and move on to some other things, but apparently not. Dolan and Jane are really good, and I think that... Yeah, they are. I would love to see them make a run-up to the main roster. And, like, still stay in NXT, but hear mm-hmm. me out when I say this. Yeah. Obviously, we know the tag team titles in the women's division is kind of like a weird situation right now. Yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah. But if they're going to do a tournament style, if they're going to actually get more teams in the mix. I would love to see Toxic Attraction move up there and go do, mm-hmm. you know, that run and maybe get the belts and then actually be a real traveling team on all three shows. That'd be nice. I think that would be the smart way to do because what they've been doing in NXT, and I know we'll talk about this a little more when we talk about Mandy Rose, this has been the faction to watch. Yeah. And they've been putting in very solid work. Like this match, from all the, you know, little bits and pieces I caught from it, like wasn't blow away. No, yeah. But it was definitely better than I thought it was going to be because they work so well and they really are starting to form like a tag team division mm-hmm. again for the women's division down in yeah, NXT. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, which is very nice. So this one, it's 
something to keep an eye on for. And if you're going to have, obviously, toxic attraction being the, the cornerstones of that, I think that's a smart move to do because I think they have a very big future. Oh, absolutely. They've been doing a lot of good work with them. I mean, they showed up. They had a, a little footage from earlier in the day, quote-unquote, where toxic attraction showed up to the CWC. And they were arrived in a brand new fucking Bentley. Yeah. They like rolled up in a belt. Like I saw the car, could tell it was a nice sports car. And I go, oh, that's nice. And then the car drove up close enough and the camera zoomed in. And I saw the Bentley logo on the on the hood. And I went, oh, shit, they're rolling in it. You know, which was so, no, they're doing great work. And I'm, and I'm happy. I thought they were going to lose, but I'm happy they retained. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was for the NXT North American Championship. And you had To The Moon Cameron Grimes. To The Moon! Back from the moon, uh, as they like to say on, during the pay-per-view, uh, taking on Carmelo Hayes. Uh, and you had Carmelo Hayes emerge victorious, pinning Cameron Grimes in 15 minutes and 28 seconds to become your and new NXT North American champion. Did catch this match. Love this match. Match was good. You know, I have this sinking suspicion Cameron Grimes is getting called to the main roster. Maybe. Which I'm okay with if they let him keep the gimmick. Yeah. Because I know that they have been doing this repackaging from NXT 2.0 to the main roster, which... Vince has got a history of these days. It's a history, but it makes sense because I'm not so upset about it. For a lot of these wrestlers, this is their name they had on the indies. Right. So if you're going to go to the main roster and that's the name WWE wants to have, then when you leave the company, you can go back to your indie name. Mm. So, like, I'm okay with that. Like, that's a huge thing to do. Yeah. If they're going to do this with Cameron Grimes... I just love the gimmick so much. Like, I think that, that it would go huge over on the sure, main roster. That sure. I think that they should definitely keep it. But if this is going to be the swan song forum, there's no better dance par- partner he could have had oh, yeah. than Carmelo Hayes. None. No. And they put on a great match here. Oh, yeah, and, they did. You know, Hayes has got such a big future. Like, Oh, yeah. I can't wait till they start running him a program with Braun Breaker. Oh, that'd be good. Like, it's that'd be good. going to happen sooner than later. I'm just going to put that Probably. out there. Probably. Uh, next up was for the NXT Women's Championship. You had Mandy Rose defending her belt against Wendy Chu. And you had Mandy Rose emerge victorious, pinning Chu in 11 minutes and 4 seconds. So, this match went pretty much as I expected. Yeah. Mandy Rose, if you're not on board yet with the work she's doing down here in NXT, uh-huh. I can't stress enough. She's going to be the one of the biggest names on the women's division in WWE mm-hmm. within the next two years mm-hmm. when she eventually comes back up. Though she is now finally evolved into that main event presence. Oh yeah, that I think when she was on the main roster, it never really kind of clicked. She was that she was eye candy. I mean, she was even packaged as such. You know, she would walk out. She'd have the the Mandy voice come in. You'd have yeah. the, the sultry saxophone playing in the background. My TV would go out of focus weirdly every single time. Yeah, yeah. Corey Graves' jaw would hit the floor. You know, and that's all fine and dandy, but like in terms of like wrestling, we never really got to see anything. Now it's kind of the both of both best of both worlds, where she they keep talking about her as an influencer and just kind of the brand and and this and that, you know. But then she's also featuring her wrestling ability, which is from not really knowing her prior beforehand, mm-hmm. is really shining through on this run, and she's really winning me over. Yeah, I think she's definitely putting in some of the best work she's done, and I think that now. Knowing that she is the star of the show, mm-hmm. she's really grown in that confidence, and you see that in the ring a lot. Like, this match was not that good, and there's nothing against her or Wendy. Uh-huh. I just don't think they clicked. No. Just like no. styles just didn't match for whatever reason on this one. Yeah. But I think for Mandy, this is a big win in the sense of showing that, you know, she's obviously 
taking that Charlotte position mm-hmm. on the show and definitely running with it as being the most dominant faction leader on this show. Well, and, and her coming down here when she did might be one of the best things for her career, obviously with all the work she's done and the repackaging she's done, but also specifically when in the timeline she came back down to NXT. It was after the whole Triple H took time away thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels was kind of running things, but this is when Vince started having a more hands-on approach to the show. What's been one of the biggest complaints we have from NXT transferring up to the main roster these days? Seems like they don't know what the fuck to do with them. Right. You, know, you look at how Finn Balor's last run in NXT was and how great that was, and then what the hell's he done? You know, since he's made it up to the back to the main roster, mm-hmm. kind of that in between phase where Hunter was still running things and kind of that weird in between phase. But Mandy's run, at least from my recollection, I could be wrong. Hashtag ODPH Pod if I'm wrong. But Mandy's entire run has been during kind of like the quote-unquote Vince run with NXT. Mm -hmm. So part of me is hoping that, like, okay, we see how good she is here at the main roster. Vince is supposedly more involved with NXT these days. With him being more involved, he'll see how good she is and know, okay, I know she can go. I know I can trust her to do these spots and do these matches, and we'll see it shine through like we know so many of these women and men can. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. I think that when she comes back up to the main roster, she's going to be a monster up there. No questions. Uh, next up was for the uh, NXT Tag Team Titles, where you had uh, Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, the brothers from uh, Diamond Mind, uh, taking on Elton Prince and Kit Wilson, who were your uh, defending champs. And you had uh, the Creed brothers defeat uh, Prince and Wilson uh, to become your and new NXT Tag Team Champions in 15 minutes and 7 seconds. Not going to lie. The Creed brothers are growing on me. Yeah, a little bit. I, I wasn't into it at first. Like, the whole Diamond Mine, the only reason I was watching was Malcolm Bivens. Sure. Because he's amazing in AEW. I just hope they give him enough time to run on that mic because that will be some gold right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's just phenomenal. But seeing the Creed brothers fight to stay in Diamond Mind and, and like, that whole storyline against and yeah. with Pretty Deadly being the yeah. the mystery team that's been haunting them, like, they've actually had a really good storyline built in for yeah. this. So, to see him in the ring, they actually clicked really well. Mm-hmm. I love the chemistry between yeah. both teams. And then that shooting star press. Goddamn. Julius Creed is not a skinny gentleman. <laughs> no, he's not. No, to see him pull that off, it was the perfect way to end this match. The crowd was into it. And this was just a phenomenal way to really have them establish as the tag team to beat in there for the rest of the NXT's division. Because, oh, I yeah. mean, and now that's starting to pick up some steam. And I can't wait to see where they go because obviously with the legacy they've had oh, with yeah. NXT, so oh, tag yeah. teams have been you know the cornerstone. Yeah, that no, should be good. A lot of promise there. Uh, and then your main event of the evening was Braun Breaker taking on Joe Gacy for the NXT Championship. And the stipulation with this match, if I'm not mistaken, was that if uh, Braun Breaker got disqualified or counted out or anything, he would lose the belt to Joe Gacy. Didn't matter because Braun Breaker ended up pinning Joe Gacy in 15 minutes and 45 seconds to retain his NXT Championship. Great match. Uh-huh. You know, Joe Gacy, obviously, we're a little biased from all the times we've seen him yeah. at Excite Wrestling. A little bummed he didn't win, but hey, I get it. You know, I get it completely because Braun Breaker is the star down there. Oh, I mean, God, yeah. What are you going to do? And Gacy's character is kind of doing like a little shifting from what we've seen him originally. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like... They're still kind of developing it. Yeah, which I, I have to remember every time I watch it. Sure. Because it does throw me off a little bit. But like I said, it was a solid match. I caught up to it you know, on the next day. And... Braun Breaker is the star that we're going to see debut at the Royal Rumble. There's, o- there's only, yeah, no, there's only so long he's going to be at NXT, and it ain't going to be long. 
And you know what? That's perfectly fine because yeah, in this yeah. transition time period of NXT, we we need to remember as wrestling fans, this is now truly a developmental. Yeah. That everybody down there eventually is going to go one of two places. Mm-hmm. You're going to the main roster or you're going to stay there until future endeavors. Mm-hmm. Not to put it coldly, but it's, it it's is the, what it is. It's the truth. And they're really allowing the talent down there to develop. Oh yeah, and, and I look at Joe Gacy. He started off as yeah. Well. He started with his whole gimmick at the start that made headlines around the world through various medias. You know, now to like to me, he almost strikes me as like a modern day Ministry of Darkness kind of thing. A little bit. He's got that kind of. He's, he's got. He's got. It. He's got like the Undertaker Ministry of Darkness thing. He's got the minions who are hooded and cloaked and appear to help him out, and we don't know who they are. You know, kind of hope we do someday because that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's got that going. Yeah, so definitely a lot of promise from NXT. Like yeah. I say, it's not for everybody because if you're not into the WWE way of things, yeah. you're not going to like it. And that's yeah. why I say watch GCW all day, every day. But it's a situation where if you really like what's going on on the main roster in that kind of style mm-hmm. and with characters that are more driven than the wrestling, mm-hmm. NXT 2.0 is not the worst you're watching right yeah. now. Like there's actually, yeah, it's got some bright spots. They're making some strides and they're adding more talent too. That's a yeah. big thing as well that yeah. we need to remember moving forward. Yeah. However, though, it was overshadowed by another big event for the WWE. Yeah. So this was uh, taking place on Sunday from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and this was Hell in a Cell. A uh, lot of hype and a lot of interest going in with this one because it was reported widely online about an injury to Cody Rhodes that he suffered. You know, through one or two different means. It depends on where you read. They did not sugarcoat it. They did not wait and hold back on you. Uh, as soon as the pre-show started, they did their whole hype thing. They broke down the card. And once they got to Cody, they said it's been widely reported on through social media, you know, that Cody Rhodes suffered and sustained an injury as a result of an attack from Seth Rollins, you know, on Monday night. You know, this is not the case. What is the case is that he uh, tore his, he fully tore his pectoral muscle lifting weights that's insane you know and that he despite the fact that you know he might not be able to go he is promised he is wrestling tonight so they right from the get-go the pre-show started at seven o'clock eastern so pretty much like 703 705 they confirmed hey yes cody is injured here's what happened and he's still wrestling tonight which was fucking insane yeah i mean because they said it was a complete tear from the bone you know it's weird i'm not a doctor yeah i just know the aesthetics when i see it and mm-hmm. that thing looked painful as all hell yeah Let's so, say uh, when we get to the match, uh, I will note that it didn't—he didn't appear to do anything that would require lifting over his head. Yeah, which is smart. Yeah, but we'll get into that later. But we'll get into that later. Uh, there were no matches on the pre-pre-show, uh, so the first match they opened with this goddamn match on the, to open the card. Uh, this was for the Raw Women's Championship, and this was the triple threat between Bianca Belair defending her belt against Asuka and Becky Lynch, uh, and you had Bianca Belair emerge victorious, winning in 18 minutes and 16 seconds. God. Damn, what a good open to this card. Obviously, all three are, uh-huh. are main eventers, and this is the perfect way to start this card off. Absolutely. If, if you want to watch any two matches out of this card, make it this one and then the main event, because this one was this one was going to be my match of the card until main event happened. Mm-hmm. But this, this, this match was just absolutely insane. And then you had at the end, you know, Becky Lynch going for the pin on Asuka, and then Bianca pulled a Becky Lynch pulled Becky off of Asuka, went threw her out, pulled her out for threw her out of the ring, you know, under the ropes and then got on top of her and got the pin herself. And, and the look on Becky's face was just like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. 
Definitely a lot of cool things going on with this match. Uh-huh. And, you know, not really super shocked at this, though. No, no. N- not at all. Uh, next up was the handicap match where you had MVP and almost taking on Bobby Lashley. Uh, and you actually had Bobby Lashley win, uh, submitting MVP and taking the victory in 8 minutes and 17 seconds, although not without some help. Yeah. Yeah, there was a little bit of uh, thing beforehand uh, between MVP and uh, uh, Cedric Alexander, who was basically trying to get back in MVP's good graces. MVP brushed him off, and then mid-match, MVP came out and ran interference on Omos because anytime Lashley Lashley knew he couldn't get the pin on Omos, you mm-hmm. know, in kayfabe. You know, oh, he's bigger than me. I know I can't get the pin on Omos. But MVP, I know I can get the pin on MVP. So he'd try all these things to get the pin on MVP, but almost would always be there to stop him. Cedric Alexander came in there, ran interference, helped Lashley get the pin. And then afterwards, you know, they had a backstage segment. I can't remember. It was some point later in the night, but the two of them were talking. And uh, Lashley basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, thanks for the help, but stay the fuck out of my way. So it sounds like we might be getting a match or a feud between those two. I think they're teasing it right now that Lashley doesn't want any help, and mm-hmm. and, and I understand, but I'm going to spin it like this. You might see the reformation of the Hurt Business. Maybe. And you know what? I'm perfectly fine with this. Broken I'm, up too soon. I'm one, that, Facts. That is facts. I'm 1,000% on board with this if that's the case, and that's where I'm kind of feeling the fact that they did mention that to him. Mm-hmm. So... Wait and see on that. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Next up was a matchup between Kevin Owens and Ezekiel, and you had Kevin Owens emerge victorious, pinning Ezekiel in 9 minutes and 18 seconds, and not really much to write home about. I was kind of excited for this because I was hoping something might happen to, like, further along the dissenting madness of Kevin Owens that Ezekiel's not Ezekiel, he's Elias. Mm. Nothing really happened out of it, though. Like, it was a match. They, they you know, pinned one, two, three, move on. I think it's... I, it will sound more harsh than I mean it, but let's be honest, it was filler. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was filler. It, you know, considering the two matches you had prior to it, you know, it was kind of like a, a chance for the crowd to breathe, you know, collect themselves before they got back into it. Yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It, it, this whole feud is based off entertainment and mm-hmm. actual wrestling. So, yeah. like, I wasn't mad about this at all. Yeah, no, neither was I. Uh, next up was a matchup I was very excited for because you had the team of the Judgment Society, that being Damian Priest, Edge, and Rhea Ripley, taking on Bullet Club 2.0. Sorry, is what it is. Uh, that being AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Uh, and you had the Judgment uh, the Judgment Day win in 16 minutes and 4 seconds. Yeah, this one went the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it was a good match. It it was. Obviously, Monday Night Raw did switch (laughs) things up a little bit. Yeah, so Monday night you had the judgments. The judgment uh, day appeared to be the ones getting the countdown timer now uh, because Cody is going to be out because of his injury, at least so we think. Uh, so they gave Judgment Day the countdown timer, unlike the Cody timer. Hmm. You know, so Judgment Day came out. Judgment Day came out and cut their whole promo. And basically, Finn Balor, they're like, "Oh, hey, we got somebody else to join." And of course, Edge has been teasing who's going to join that faction for weeks, with posting various wrestlers, male and female photos on social media. And they go, "Oh, hey, we got a person, you know, who's ready to join us tonight." And we're about to find out who it is. And then Finn Balor's music hits, and and the announcers were kind of like, "Well." Maybe he is the guy who's joining him. Maybe he's out here to confront him because of what happened last night. And Edge starts talking about how, hey, I saw it in your eyes last night, that look of where things changed, and you didn't quite like where you were in life. 
and and I was ecstatic when you said you reached out to Rhea and, and Damien and wanted to join us. And, and so then they, Damien and Rhea started talking about Judgment Day things, you know, all the bonds and the shackles and this and that. And there's only and Damien goes, there's only one shackle holding us back, and that's you, Edge. And you had Damien Priest, Rhea Ripley, and Finn Balor turn on Edge, kicking him out of the Judgment Day. Well, this one I got to give you credit for. In fact, I got to give credit to a couple people. We had chime in about why this happened. Mm-hmm. And why is it, Pat? Uh, it happened because obviously with Cody Rhodes having a fully torn pectoral muscle from his uh, tearing off the bone, Cody ain't going to be wrestling anytime soon, which means there goes your biggest baby face on the Raw roster. Mm-hmm. You need another baby face. And who better to have as a baby face than the Hall of Famer, Edge? Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see this, but it made sense. Yeah, it made in, sense. In, that's, in that regard. So yeah. the only thing now is your whole faction was based around Edge. Mm-hmm. So you kicked them out early, which, I mean, under yeah. circumstances, yeah. I get I get. But where do you go from here? Yeah, I, I think the, the they would have had another match at SummerSlam or maybe even Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. But that appears to have been tossed out the window absolutely because obviously you've got Finn Balor joining judgment day there was no sign of aj last night at least that i remember and then Liv was involved in the main event on raw and that was you know to determine who goes for the raw women's championship at money in the bank right you know so that storyline just appears to be like dropped off a cliff you know ended and for obvious and understandable reasons you know but where they go from here man i don't know you know i don't well first of all who gets who gets the rights to the entrance music because that's edge's voice in the entrance music which gotta be say, I'm a little disappointed we might not hear that anymore because that entrance music for Judgment Day was awesome with Edge going, You think you know me? You never did. Well, see, here's the thing. I was I was thinking about this more we went. Yeah. I think what you're gonna have happen here is Edge does keep the theme music for him. Mm, okay. And he comes out as like the fallen angel eh, could type be. deal yeah. with the wings and how they have all Kinda like of, an in betweener, yeah. Yeah, so he'll be doing like the in between stuff. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have like a weird remix of Finn Balor's music. Mm. Because I think what they might try spinning, because can you really call it Judgment Day without Edge there? Sure. Would they really just try saying this is officially Balor Club? And then you do something. You have to remix the music. You can't have him keep his original theme. Yeah, yeah. But if you did something like that, then it could work. And Finn Balor has had the same entrance music he's had in, during his entire WWE run, both NXT and main roster. Yeah, so... I mean, there was the remix from the one, from, like, the demon music to, like, his non-demon music, but still it's the same damn song. Yeah. So mm. we just got to remember that as we go forward yeah. with it. But, yeah. you know, like I say, they're booking on the fly with us, so I'm not Pretty mad much, yeah. Uh, next up was a matchup between Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin in a no-holds-barred match, and you had Madcap Moss emerge victorious, Pinning Happy Corbin in 12 minutes and 4 seconds. Good lord, Madcap Moss. Uh-huh. How good did he look in this match? Looked real good. Yeah, this is probably the best match I've seen him ever do. Yeah. So, nothing really right home about with this one. No. Just, you know, Madcap is getting ready to get a big push. Maybe he's going to get thrown into this whole Edge faction, possibly. Mm, maybe. It'd be a good confidence builder for him, I think, that... You know, he's on the cusp of breaking out and doing something. Like I said, yeah. I've never been the biggest fan of him. No, neither have I. But he's slowly starting to win me over a little bit. Like, the, once they're done with the Madcap character yeah. gimmick, like yeah. then I then I might be more invested. But you really got to pair him with somebody and really have him get shown the way. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. 
Uh, next up was your co-main event of the evening, and this was for the WWE United States Championship, where you had Theory defending his belt against Mustafa Ali, and you had Theory emerge victorious, pinning Ali in 10 minutes and 19 seconds. Hey. So, two things from this. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have done the belt switch. Mm-hmm. Would have been a huge moment for Ali. Hometown crowd, hometown tights. Yep. But I feel they didn't. Because they made the announcement about John Cena coming back to Raw. Yeah, they did do that. And once they said that, I went, well, it's going to be him in theory in a segment or a match. Uh huh. One of the two is going to happen. Well, there goes that idea. Yep. Because they are extremely high on Austin Theory. I can't, they're, they're through the moon on Austin Theory. I'm not mad about that. The kid's got a... a a ton of potential he's got a lot of charisma he's good in the ring mm-hmm. you know and as a heel as he is right now i fucking hate his guts yeah which um, i don't hate him as a person the character he's playing i hate his guts but that's what he's doing yeah then yeah. that's that's just how beautifully he's playing it. Mm-hmm. so now the question becomes you where do you go from here with this now with ali i think he could still get involved in that title picture still probably but I don't know, like with Cena now coming back, and they're so high on Theory, I think that you're going to see a lot of stuff like Theory's going to call him out, and Theory's going to... Well, and the thing we don't know with Cena is we know he's appearing for Raw coming up, like at the end of the month. June 27th, I believe. And it's in Texas, you know, for his 20th anniversary, because his 20th anniversary of his main roster debut in WWE is this month. So there, that's why you're. if you go to any of the WWE social media throughout the month, you'll see various clips from Cena's career in the hashtag Cena month. Yeah. The only thing we don't, we know he's going to show up for the Raw. The only thing we don't know is, is it a one-off or is it going to be for like a little bit of a run? See, I think it's a one-off. I think he's coming in. Yeah, it is going to be the 27th. Okay. I think what he's going to do is he's literally going to come in. He's going to put Theory over. He's going to have his moment. Like he'll, yeah. like Theory will take a bump or something. Yeah. And then right off in the sunset. And you know what? That works. But that's a huge thing for Theory, who they're really making into a face mm-hmm. of, you know, for Monday night. Like I say, when you see him and Cody start going. Yeah. Because mark my words, that's happening. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's going to be your big feud going into Mania. Uh-huh. I could definitely see that depending on where Cody is with a title. Yeah. This is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Cody, he was uh, next up in the uh, match card taking on Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, no belt or anything on the line. Just this was a hell in a cell match. Uh, and you had Cody Rhodes emerge victorious, pinning Seth Rollins in 24 minutes and 18 seconds. And I want to know, he wrestled for 24 minutes and 18 seconds with a fully torn pectoral muscle. Now, we had seen no images of this. We didn't know how bad it was. He came out in his usual attire with the jack and the mm. music, but you could obviously tell from the start things weren't 100% because, you know, as I do, he comes out, the bang, kaboom, you know, the pyro, and then he'll come down to the ring and he's usually pumping his fist like, oh, come on, you know, he was only doing that with one arm. Yeah. And you could tell, and he gets up to the top of the, he gets in the ring, top of the rope, does the same thing. Again, one arm. And then they go to do like the big fight feel entrance where it's like, oh, you know, in this corner, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Cody went to take his jacket off. And while he had been standing there, his one arm was not moving the entire time. So you could tell something was obviously very wrong. And then he took the jacket off and the entire internet and everyone watching, including myself at home, once he took that jacket off, went, oh my God, holy shit. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen the photo, I don't know how you've avoided it till now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look it up. 
Viewer discretion is advised. It is the gnarliest thing I've ever seen that isn't a broken bone. Yeah. And the fact that it was fully torn, he obviously could not lift anything over his, say, I'll say shoulder. Right. And still wrestled the full match, got a bull rope involved at one point, and had a bull. It was a bull rope match taking place in the middle of Hell in a Cell at one point between him and Seth Rollins. Had a bull rope match, and then threw at least, I want to say, five. He threw two at the end back to back. No, he threw three at the end, but I want to say he threw five or six in total. Mm-hmm. Cody cutters throughout the night, which is very arm intensive. Oh, by the way, there was a pedigree in there, too, Yeah, because Rollins went for the pedigree. Cody kicked out. Cody went for the pedigree, hit it. Rollins kicked out. So he threw five or six Cody cutters, one pedigree, all with a fully torn pectoral muscle. I already liked Cody Rhodes, but God damn, I like him even more now. The fact that he wrestled basically 25 minutes with a fully torn pectoral muscle and then came out on Raw last night and said, hey, the injury sucks. I got surgery scheduled this week. And and let's t- and he's talking about the fans and the this and the that and and he is like hey if you don't know I got a daughter at home and showing her the match someday and it's a very sentimental and then he goes but let's get to talking about the things that are bo- are above my head because I know we shit on the WWE camera crew and Kevin Dunn and all those guys for the camera cuts they do a lot but this was masterful fucking filming I had no goddamn idea the money in the bank briefcases were above his head oh yeah they never showed them. Until he said, let's talk about the things that are above my head. And the camera zooms out and pans up. And it's the men's and women's briefcases above his head. Because I think a lot of people, myself and yourself included, had him penciled in to win the men's money in the bank ladder match come money in the bank. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah, this injury sucks. Don't necessarily count me out of that match. Mm -hmm. That match is, is, is in 25 days. Most medical experts will tell you that to heal. Now, we know wrestlers are freak injuries. Cena had a torn pectoral muscle and came back in three months. Yeah. You know, Triple H, I think, did one similar in like four or something insane like that. You know, but the average or expected recovery time of this injury is six months. Mm -hmm. He's talking about wrestling again in basically three weeks. Here's what you got to remember. Okay, first, let's talk about the match. Match was phenomenal. Uh-huh. Match was a career-making moment for Cody, and I know you're probably going, "Well, you know, he's had moments before." No, no this this was this was a big moment for him, and this was a moment that showed Vince he's a guy you can rely yep. on. Fully agree. This is what defines him now. If he never wrestles again, this is the match we all talk about. And, and he was in the ring with arguably the safest wrestler on in that company. Exactly agreed. That's the next point I was going with. He couldn't have a better dance partner than Rollins uh-huh. to take care of that arm. You might say it's crazy he did this, but if he felt he could go and the doctors cleared him, yeah, you know he he could do this. And you know we we gave our take about injuries and should you wrestle, should you not on six or seven TWS. So we're not going to dwell around that too much. Well, the only thing with the I'll say with the injury is it was already fully torn. What the fuck else are you going to do to it? Well, that's the question. Like, should he have even been in there? And you know, right, the, right. And like, here's the thing: if he bowed out, I don't think anybody would have faulted him. No. But I think the fact he went in there, this is the mind frame I think he went in with. Now, this is my opinion. I sure. want to stress this. Sure. He saw that on AEW, CM Punk got hurt. Mm-hmm. He saw, obviously, there's a lot of rumors going around about, is Brian Danielson hurt? Right. Scorpio Sky? Right. Other wrestlers being hurt. Cody is old school as it gets. Uh-huh. Show must go on. Gets it from his brother and his dad. Exactly. So I'm sure what he said is, I'm going to go in there and at least try. Mm -hmm. I'm in there with arguably the best wrestler in the world in Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. 
He's not going to screw up. No. I'm going to be as safe as I can be in this ring. And they could make a match happen. Mm-hmm. Now, he had one arm. Yep. If you don't realize how good Seth Rollins is, I'm sorry. This is the match you should watch. And can we talk about a guy who's really recovered wonderfully since the whole debacle with the Fiend in the Hell in a Cell match? Oh, absolutely. And how just how great he is these days? Well, that's the whole thing, that he, he understands what's going on. He's running with a with a character that he can sink his teeth into because he can act as over the top as he wants. He can be as big of a dick as he wants and get away with it. Yeah. I mean, and Christ, coming out in, in the Dusty Rhodes polka dots. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Oh, my God. As I call him, he's Joker Seth. And Joker Seth works uh-huh. because he's absolutely out of his damn mind. But when he gets in the ring, it's all down to business. And he does all these mind games better than anybody. He is really embracing the role that he's in. And, mm-hmm. the, and like you touched on, like we've seen him at worst where he's given, I don't know how many uh, stomps to the Fiend, then yep. 15 and he's still got yeah. But we have to remember that the WWE is so character driven. Yeah. Like that was nothing to them. And I'm sure no. they, they heard the criticism and went like, well, we don't care. But to see him come back and obviously enjoying himself, and he loves working with Cody, you can definitely tell they they have a great chemistry in the ring. Mm-hmm. He was more than happy to be doing the work here. And for Cody, this is where he said, for anybody who ever doubted I'm a main event guy, top that. Yeah, for anybody who was like, oh, he's gonna, why is he going back to WWE? He's going to be back to Stardust within two weeks. Mm-hmm. He, I saw a stat on tw- or a note on Twitter. In his entire WWE run, he's had as many matches as he's had in the last 13 months. Yeah. He's putting in work. Well, that's the thing. They also do house shows in WWE. Yeah, there's that too. AEW does not. That's a whole different ball of wax. But for what Cody did is Cody established that he is that guy. And that, that to me, was an all-time classic for Hell in a Cell. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a five-star match all around. Like, however you want to give your highest grade, you give that to Yeah. And the one thing is about him being in Money in the Bank, I'm still calling he's winning. Because oh, I do too. Here's what you got to remember, too. There's going to be how many people in that match? Six, seven? Five, six, or seven, yeah, something like that. I mean, that. we don't know the schematics No, yet. no. All he's got to do is wind up with the lat- with the briefcase in his hand at mm-hmm. the end of the match. And he could also pull a Brock Lesnar a couple years ago where Lesnar wasn't even the guy in the goddamn match, came in, suplexing and F5ing people all over the damn place and took the briefcase himself. Could do something like that. I'm going to say it's going to be one of two things. You might see... I'm going to throw this scenario out. In fact, sure. I'm running with this. Sure. Theory's going to go up there and get the belt, and he's going to drop it. <laughs> or I should say belt, but the briefcase. He's going to bumble in. He's going to drop it in his hand. Somebody's going to drop it, yeah. And Cody's going to pick it up, and, and that's it. Yeah. And that's how it ends. Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And then he can ride off into the sunset until he is good to come back. And yep. then mark my words, mm-hmm. wherever that match is that he cashes in is going to be the loudest pop uh-huh. you have heard in recent memory. Now, he's not going to disappear till Mania. I'm just no. going to put that out there right now. no. But I tell you this, if he comes back and let's say we're talking um, Royal Rumble time, yeah. maybe Survivor Series, which would be fin- which I'm going to guess he is. I'm, I'm, if I had to guess Mage, because I think they'd save it for a major pay-per-view, probably Survivor Series. Well, Survivor Series needs a shot in the arm of uh, you know energy in it as well. Like, yeah. It's because it's, it's been flat for you know since they did the triple brand threat. Yeah. This would be the perfect adrenaline boost for that if you have Roman take on whoever. Yeah. I don't even care. And then all of a sudden, you hear that music hit. Mm-hmm. That place explodes. The roof is going to come off that place. Cody comes out. One, two, three. Upsets Roman. It might be 
the reaction Ziggler got when he cashed in. Oh, I fully think Wh- it would. Which is one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard. I was in the building for that. Trust me, that was louder than anybody I think I'd ever realized. Cody's will top that. Oh, absolutely. Cody's, Cody's will. Like I said, they just got to be smart where they do it. But it was a perfect way to end the card. Yeah. And Cody is now officially a main eventer in uh-huh. every single WWE fan's eyes. He got the job done. Seth Rollins takes no harm from this loss. The only thing I, I would say is I don't know if this was supposed to be the, the actual ending of the match. Mm-hmm. I think with Cody's injury, I think they did make it the end because yeah. I think they're going to write him off that he has the win. Yeah. He's going to get the briefcase of money in the bank somehow, some way. And then whenever he returns, it's mm-hmm. it's the Cody era. And you know what? I'm okay. You know, we're, we live in the year of the Rhodes Lander. I'm, uh-huh. And you know what? Didn't think I was going to say this at the beginning of the year, but I'm fully on board now. Tread it. Run from it. Rhodes Lander arrives. Yep. Facts, Pat. Facts. Man, a lot of pro wrestling to talk about. That was just WWE. But yeah. we will save the other wrestling discussion for the social media account. So hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. What is your takeaways from the WWE's big weekend? Did you watch NXT in your house? And if you didn't, you know why? Let's talk about that. And Hell in a Cell. We'll just call it the Cody Show. What is your take on Cody Rhodes and the performance he gave? And for even more pro wrestling content, check out the latest edition of 607 TWS on podcast form. And blogs count anywhere where I may, I might, drop a blog this week. We shall see to talk even more pro wrestling with the ODPH Society. That's what we do here. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So 2021 is upon us, and instead of flying cars and monkey robot butlers, we have a pandemic. We have media and making every little annoying twit of a child think they're going to be the next famous celebrity because they did some stupid trend they've seen somebody else doing nine million times we have people that are self-entitled and stupid and given a voice through social media constantly whining about how everybody else is the problem and how everyone else needs fixings we have celebrities lecturing us about how we have to give more so we can elevate everyone to a better life from the security of their seven-bedroom, multi-million-dollar estates. We have politicians lying to us that they're going to fix the situations we're in that they created in the first place. And then we've got me having the conversations that a lot of us are thinking but nobody's talking about because these things have to be said. I had to say at the podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast fix or at www.ihadtosayapodcast.com. Why don't you come listen to what I've got to say? Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. Man, oh man, oh man, the NBA Finals are in full swing. Yeah, they are. I know we gave our predictions last week, but we got to get caught up on the action. Yeah. So, Pat, break it down. Uh, So, as we currently record, uh, Games 1 and 2 of the NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors are completed. Uh, Game 3 is taking place on June 8th uh, in Boston at 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Uh, And currently, the series is tied at one game apiece. Uh, Game 1, of course, you had go the way of the Boston Celtics, winning by the final score of 120 to 108. Uh, and then Game 2 went the way of the Golden State Warriors, winning by the final score of 107-88. to 88. And, of course, we got to remember back to Game 1. That was one where Curry started off real goddamn hot, 20-some-odd points in the first fucking quarter. And then Boston figured him out, figured him out, shut him down, uh, held Golden State to, like, four, 16 points in the fourth quarter, something crazy like that, uh, and squeaked out a victory in Golden State. It's real hard to do these days. That was probably the perfect scenario for Boston. Uh-huh. 
because they needed to steal one game from the Golden State's home court. Yeah. The thing that blows my mind about game one is how the hell, Uh if you're Golden State, I'm going to just try not yelling into the microphone about this because every time this has came up, I've popped. Sure. Okay. How the hell do you give up a 20-2 to run to close that game out? Well, I think you shoot like absolute, sorry, I'm going to call it what it is, shoot like absolute fucking dog shit. Uh, as a team from the field, they were 39 of 88. Uh, and from three-point, they were 19 of 45. Uh, Wiggins had two three-pointers. Uh, Curry had seven, although I think most of those were probably in the first quarter. Sure. Uh, and Clay only had three. Uh, so Clay finished with Curry had 34 points, which is, hey, that's par for the course for him. Uh, Draymond had four, although you don't really need him to score points. when you, And even he said this, I don't need to really score points when I've got the two greatest shooters in NBA history with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you only had 20 points from Wiggins, and then Clay only had 15. And then on the ben- off the bench, your leading scorer was Otto Porter Jr. with 12. That is just abysmal. You got outshout. Outshot. Yeah, I'm shouting. Yeah. Outshot at home. Uh huh. 40 to 16 in that fourth quarter. Yep. Like, do you want, like, the anger in my voice? And I'm not even a Golden State fan. No. That is embarrassing for the finals. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. As much as I love Al Horford, former Gator, 26 points at this stage. Mm-hmm. He was the leading scorer yeah. for Boston during this game. I love the one meme I saw where it was like Al Horford on any other team, and it was this like elderly gentleman with a walker. Mm. And then it was Al Horford on the Boston Celtics, and it was this like jacked, ripped dude who's got muscles on his muscles. Yes. He has found the fountain of youth here, and I'm happy for him. Like, listen, loved him in, when he played at Florida, so I, I, you'll not hear me say anything bad about him. But at this stage in the game, he should not be the lead scorer on a team. Hell no. And I'm sorry, like, the fact that you only had Jason Tatum with 12 points and you didn't pull off that W, damn. Al Horford at th- just turned 36 years old. Yes. But just, still. Just want to point that out. But still, man, that is just embarrassing. And mm-hmm. we knew game two the Golden State was going to come back, so there was no question about this. Yeah. But that is such a statement win yeah. for the Celtics that – you knew Golden State was going to come out swinging for game two. Oh, yeah, and that's kind of what made it comical for me watching the various sports shows, you know, first take, get up, you know, mm-hmm. undisputed on Fox. That like, game one was over, and the next day, Christ almighty, you'd have thought the apocalypse had started, you know, it's the end of the world, the sky's on fire, you know, whatever biblical end-of-days scenario you want to, you want to use. Because, oh, my God, you would have thought the world was ending because, oh, my God, Golden State lost a game at home. I know. Like, it's wild to think how the media runs with this. And that's how you can tell it's a slow news day. Yeah. The fact that they were already, like, burying Golden State. Mm -hmm. After one game. Is a travesty. Like, I say, don't, don't take my disappointment as thinking they were done. But I just sat there watching, like, you came out that flat for game one. Mm-hmm. So that means game two, you needed to bounce back. Yeah. And you needed a, a big statement win. I feel they got one. Yeah. But I also feel that Boston, this is one thing that they're still a relatively young team for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to remember that. Yeah. No, you're true. You're right. So for a lot of them, this is the first time being in the NBA Finals. 
it's a whole different ball game where Golden State, this is second nature. Right. So we knew Golden State would rebound and compose. Mm-hmm. But I did not expect game two to go the way it did. No, and I think, honestly, Golden State got lucky simply because Curry had 29 points, which, again, hey, par for the course for him. Mm-hmm. Looney had 12, Wiggins had 11, Draymond had 9, but, again, you don't really need him to score. The part where I say they got lucky, though, is, again, Clay only had 11 points. Yeah, Clay is struggling Clay, right now. Clay needs to take his own advice because he got asked about his struggles and what he's going to do to get out of it today as we record and he goes i don't know maybe we're gonna go home and youtube watch some youtube videos of game six clay you need to do it because you need game six clay because right now you're shooting like shit no he's looking he's lucky jordan Poole bailed him out with 17 uh-huh but if you take a look at that the lineup like you touched on clay only had 11 curry 29 looney 12 Wiggins eleven, Draymond, and we gotta just say Draymond. We're not expecting a lot from. No, he's 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 the Golden State Warriors version of Dennis Rodman. Like finish with no points, we don't care. Get rebounds. Yeah, but he's lucky he didn't get that second technical. Also true. That is something that you're starting to see his temper boil over. Now he's always been an emotional player. Like we've always known this. And, yeah. You know, like I say, this is not breaking news. This is nothing super crazy. But for Golden State to win this series, like if he gets another technical and he's got to be suspended, he's in trouble. Like, this uh-huh. team is in trouble because Boston will exploit that loss. Oh, God, yeah. And that's the one thing, that even as past the prime as Draymond is, and like, listen, that's a fair statement at this stage of the game. Sure. He's still a factor that the Celtics have to game plan for. And honestly, this game went the way I thought it was going to go for game one, to be sure. honest with you. Tatum had 28 points. Right. Brown had 17. Yep. You know, and but the rest of the starting lineup, though, two points. Yeah, that that's a joke. Like I said, Al Horford came back to earth with two points. Yeah, Marcus Smart, two points. Mm-hmm. Like I say, when you start having your starting lineup really, I, like I say, I don't know if it was like they were feeling themselves too much. Like, okay, we're gonna win. We're running away with this. Maybe and you take the foot off the gas. That's kind of the vibe I had here, but it was also that Golden State is not going to get frazzled by one game. No, they've been there before. Right. So they bounced back completely the way I thought they were going to. And especially, they were not going to... I didn't see them going down 0-2 at home. Like I Hell said, no. the perfect situation happened here for Boston. It went 1-1. And you can't ask for a better scenario heading back to the East Coast. Especially with a team that is as good at home as Golden State is. Yeah. Like, the fact that you snuck one out of there, hey. that's a big win. If you got two, that would have been even bigger. But two, you snuck two out of Golden State. Then there's cause for, like, holy shit, the sky's falling. Yeah, but the fact that it's a bigger move to do, it's something that they should take that momentum and say, okay, we'll be back in front of our home crowd. Mm-hmm. We'll have a lot going on. And this is going to be the area where that crowd is going to be lively mm-hmm. for Boston. And it's just a matter of can Golden State shut them up quickly? Because I feel that that's going to be the key to success here. They're going to have to take that crowd out of the game early. For Boston, though, they're going to want to speed that tempo up. They're going to definitely want to play solid defense. Horford needs a big game. Not a huge game, but a big game defensively. And the rest of the team, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. If Smart is only dropping two points in this game, they're in trouble. Yeah, You need more consistent shooting from your entire team. If everybody else is in single digits other than Brown and Tatum, that's a problem. And I believe there's one other person. But still, you understand the gravity of the situation here. No, yeah. 
it's a bigger thing to deal with. Well, like basketball is not an individual sport; it is a team sport. You know, it's fine and da- it's fine and dandy that that you had uh, Brown only had seventeen points and Tatum had twenty eight points. Okay, that's that's not mm-hmm. bad. But for Horford, Williams, and Smart to only have two apiece, and and it's not like they didn't. Well, it is they didn't shoot. Marcus Smart one of six from the field, O of three from three. Williams the third, their center, one of one from the field, no three pointers, no field, no free throws, and then Horford one of four from the field, obviously no three pointers and no free throws. Yeah, like Golden State Warrior, the Golden State Warriors defense is good, but it, it ain't, ain't that good. It ain't that good. No, it's definitely not I'll that say, good. I'll say this ain't the dream team from the '90s, you know, playing for keeps. Yeah, so they're going to definitely need to have the battle of wills here going into the rest of the series yeah any change to your prediction for the finals winner pad no i'm still i'm still going golden state in seven um should note that the game on wednesday uh the eighth is currently boston by three and a half that makes sense i mean obviously home home. game yes it's home so i'm not i'm not too surprised by that i think that line could swing though uh but that being said i'm still taking golden state even though i am rooting for boston but this is where that team that has been pulling off these upsets i mean remember who did they sweep the first round? Uh, Brooklyn. Yes. So anything is possible. And they're going to really need to implement their home game. Like I say, they're going to be on their court. That crowd is going to be behind them 110%. They need a big performance out of their three stars uh-huh. to really ice this game. And I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to have Golden State jump out early, which that's going to be their plan. Yeah. Oh, you have to. You need to slow down Curry early. You're going to need to make Clay beat you. And then after that, Take your chances and roll the dice. The only other option you got is really fire up Draymond that he gets another technical. And then, well, that's a different story. But for Boston, that's the key to win. For Golden State, it's strike hard, strike fast. Go Cobra Kai. And they're going to show no mercy if they do. I think Steph and company know what what this means if they have to steal one away from Boston. And if they can steal two, I tell you what, man, the series might be done quicker than anybody realizes. Could be. Either way, exciting times in the NBA. Yeah. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Who you got for the NBA Finals? What was your reactions to game one and two? We definitely want to have that conversation. Are you with Boston or with Golden State? Let's talk, shall we? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little hockey. Hockey. Yes. The Stanley Cup Finals are almost here. Almost. Almost. But the Conference Finals are definitely heating up. And we have one winner in the West and the East. Uh huh. Well, that got a little interesting. So, Pat, yeah. why don't you catch us up to speed? Yeah, so over in the West, uh, things are settled and decided. You had the Colorado Avalanche sweep the Edmonton Oilers four games to nothing. Uh, so uh, the Colorado Avalanche are back in the NHL Finals. Uh, and yet again, a Canadian team has not made the NHL Finals for 29 years now been a hot minute mm-hmm. over on the other side uh awaiting the so the colorado avalanche are awaiting of course the winners of the eastern conference finals that between the new york rangers and tampa bay lightning we're currently as we record it is let's see uh, two games to the rangers what was yeah two games two to uh, one two to one to the uh favor of the new york rangers uh game one went to the rangers by the final score of six to two 
Game two went to the Rangers by a final score of three to two, uh, and then Game three in Tampa Bay went to the Lightning by the final score of three to two. Uh, game four uh, takes place on Tuesday, July seventh, uh, at eight o'clock Eastern on ESPN. So there's a lot to digest from here. I mean, obviously the Western Conference we haven't talked a lot about, but their scores pad. They read like a video game. Kind of. I mean, you had game one uh, in Colorado where the Avalanche won by the final score of eight to six. Game two, also in Colorado, won by the final the Avalanche by the final score of four to nothing. Uh, and then you had game three in Edmonton. Colorado won by the final score of four to two. And then game four in Edmonton won in overtime by the final score of six to five. Yeah. It's a situation where I remember picking Colorado to get there from the West. Sure. If they stayed healthy. I do remember that. And they are. But the only thing that would scare me is you're going to get into a shootout with either team that comes out of the East. Mm-hmm. Is your goalie as good as Igor mm-hmm. or Valeski? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the question I, I think is something that Colorado fans don't want to answer. Right. Because, I'm sorry, if you're letting up at least four goals a game for the most part, that's not a good look. No. And you're relying a lot on your offense to do this. Now, if they're pulling it off, that's great. But this is also a a situation where you're going to rely on their firepower to carry you through. I'm thinking the Western Conference defenses and goalies are just that bad because I read off for you the uh, Western Conference finals. I jumped back to the round prior where the Colorado Avalanche were taking on the St. Louis Blues, Mm -hmm. uh, where obviously the Avalanche won four games to two. Game one, they won three to two. Game two, they lost four to one. Game three, they won five to two. Game four, they won six to three. Yeah. Game five, they lost five to four in overtime. And then game six, they won three to two. Like, that's just astronomical video games you're playing on easy mode. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's wild to think about. And granted, if you got the firepower from Nathan McKinnon and, you know, Lance Dog, they're doing the damn thing. And then I, I just went back to the first round where they played uh, Nashville. Game one, they where they swept Nashville four games to one. Game one, seven goals. Game two, two goals. Ho-hum. Game three, seven goals. Game four, five goals. What the shit? Def- I, I figured it out. Defense and the goalies in the Western Conference suck. Well, that's the one thing that you got to realize is the Western Conference in the NHL just has not been producing a lot of things that if I'm looking at a Stanley Cup team, and I, and I know that obviously I'm Ranger bias yeah, as it comes, yeah, yeah. but I will be honest about this statement. I think when I'm looking at either team coming out of here, Colorado, if they play their game, is going to be very tough to beat. Sure. But the thing is... What happens when you run into a halfway decent defense? Yeah, and that's one thing that I think that they have not come into contact with. Mm -hmm. In all honesty, I think that, sure, they're definitely winning the games they should, and beating Edmonton was no easy feat, even though it it did seem like that. I mean, they went to overtime, and then a very questionable high-sticking goal is what iced everything. Right. But still, if you're going to have to win with eight goals and, Mm -hmm. and six goals, and, like... That's a lot to try averaging against the elite right. goaltending of the East. That's going to be the biggest factor going into the finals whenever right. they get there. And now they also come on that question of, you've been sweeping, you've been looking great. Is all this time off going to play a factor? Which mm-hmm. I feel it is. Yeah, I think that for Colorado, yeah, sure, you'll be rested up. You'll be easy you know, to take the ice. You're going to get a team that's either really battle-tested in the Rangers mm-hmm. or the veterans of veterans 
in Tampa Bay. I mean, look at the starting of the series with Tampa Bay and the Rangers. I thought game one would have gone to the Lightning simply mm-hmm. because they've been off for like a week and a half or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. It was a long stretch of time, and the Rangers just had a seven-game series, so they were battle-tested. They were, I figured they'd be tired, they'd be weary, they might drop game one, but then come back game two. And I was wrong, and the Rangers won six, uh, six to two. You know, so Colorado's got to be careful because you could run into the same type of scenario where you sit there kind of on your haunches and on your laurels and you go, oh, you know what? We're scoring, we're scoring 500 goals a game. You know, it's no big deal. We had all this time off. We're perfectly well rested. Oh, my God, holy shit, we're losing. Well, it's the one situation with the Rangers where I think this has played into their factor. They are playing with house money. And I think that anybody yeah. that doesn't realize this hasn't been watching. They're not supposed to be here yet. That is why the mantra is, why not us? It's also no quit in New York because the one thing is they've been written out on every single series thus far. Mm -hmm. But yet, the kid line is showing up night in and night out. Scheidel is putting on an amazing performance in these playoffs. That it, He was also supposed to be the forgotten draft pick that never fruitioned. Right. He's looking great. Kakao has finally came alive about damn time. And Lafreniere has been playing solid. He hasn't got a lot on the on the points board, but he has been playing solid. And with the lineup of, as we call him, cross-check Jesus, Mika Zizjavanejad, yeah. Yeah. who, I mean, listen, is kryptonite for any time he faces Valeski. This team is coming together, and they're playing very well. But Shedderkin, it can only do so much. And, that's, and the thing is, too, I remember seeing Ranger fans, like, say, the sky is falling after game three. Do we not realize of how much he has been blocking? Yeah. And Tampa was going to show up at home. I think if anybody seriously thought the Rangers were going to sweep, you were out of your mind. This team has been going on pure adrenaline, and I even Mm -hmm. said game three was going to be the game they were going to lose because they have been in such a routine of playing. Yeah. For how many weeks now, Pat? Oh, God, a a while. Right. And you're going to game sevens. Having an early game on a Sunday was going to throw them off. Yeah, and, creatures of habit. And the thing is, they got up to that early lead, and they kind of took their eye off the prize a little bit. Sure. Just because when you have the defending Stanley Cup champs on the ropes, mm-hmm. they need to know how to close. And they, I mean, let's be honest, they have not really been in this position that much in these playoffs. No. But... This team definitely showed up in there, and they definitely are hanging tough with it. with the the champs. Which let's face it, game one and two, Tampa was taken out of the equation. Pretty much, they looked lost. Stomkos did not look great. Hedman, he did not look anywhere near the contender we know him as. Right. It's one of those weird things that if the Rangers can jump on them early, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. But it also depends on. Can they really jump out there? Can they really make some plays happen? And can they maintain? And that's the the biggest issue you have with this team is they've been playing lights out, no pun intended. <laughs> but when you come up against the playoff champs, you knew that they were going to bounce back. Like, that was the one thing with Tampa. This wasn't going to be a runaway series. But this is where the Rangers are really going to be tested and really challenged because it was a bad loss, especially – you give up the last goal with 40 seconds left in the game. Mm-hmm. Listen, I understand it's bad. It's not the end of the world. It's not something that I want to say is you know, soul-crushing that they're not going to be able to come back from. I think the problem that they're going to have to realize, though, is if you can sneak out game four, 
and this is how crucial this game is. Yeah. If you can sneak it out at home, you go back to Madison Square Garden for game five. Mm-hmm. And this could be a moment where Tampa might not be ready for the energy from the garden. Yeah, I'll say if the Rangers are able to win one out, and like you said, go back to the garden game five, Tampa's fucked. They're, there's, they should be, yeah. There's no way they should be. They're going to be ready for a garden that is on the cusp of the Rangers being back in the NHL finals. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I think that they're, that's where they're really going to struggle. And I think that this is something that the Rangers are going to – this is all they're going to be focused on. The one thing I love about Shutterkin's game is he's not phased. Mm-hmm. Like, he gave up – and that was a bad goal, but it deflected off his shoulder. Like, what are you going to do about yeah, that? Yeah, that's it, the way it goes. It happens. But for looking at how many shots he's blocked in this series, let alone that game alone, it, I, I can't fault him. Oh, God. His, and, his game one and game two stats were goddamn identical. It, well, was, it, it was insane. Yeah, and that's the whole thing, too. It's like, for anybody that was questioning – like, would he be ready for this game? And like, oh my God, he gave up one. It's like, folks, you got to realize the man has been carrying this team much like his predecessor, the great King Henrik Lundqvist. Except this team is way more talented than any of those teams that Henrik took on his back and got to the finals. We need to remember this. And that's something I think a lot of Ranger fans forget. Mm-hmm. But now is a question of, okay, Tampa's got a little momentum. Listen, they're at home. They should. Yeah. But now is the time. Let's see what this team is really made of. We can't go into these Game 7 battles time in and time out. I mean, granted, the kid line is being the cardiac kid line if we keep doing this. Yeah. But eventually, they got to really close out early and get some a little bit of rest. They don't need a lot, but they got to get some. That being said, I do like the Rangers a lot tonight. I think it's going to be a close game, though. I don't think it's going to be anything like you know a, a 6-2 blowout. I think you're going to see like a 4-3 type deal go on here. Mm-hmm. Not ruling out overtime, but I think that the Rangers know what they need to do. You're going to see a big game come out of Chris Kreider, who's finally coming alive in these playoffs. I'm waiting to see that really take over. And if they can slow down Stomkos, they can slow down Kirchhoff, they've got a very good shot about taking this 3-1 back home to the Garden. Then anything's possible as long as they're up. But I think they've been in the situation before just on the other side. Now can they close because they're such a young team? Absolutely, I think they can. Mm-hmm. But you're going to just really see how fast this team is maturing and how they can come back from a from a. I I hate saying soul crushing loss, but it is a it's it's a loss that stings, and I think that yeah. we need to remember that. Yeah. But for Tampa Bay, listen, this might be the shot in the arm they need of adrenaline to really carry everything through. Yeah. And like I say, they're they've been here before, so they know what to expect. It's just all up to the Rangers. Are they really for the the real deal? Like, there's no other way to say it. I fully think they are. I'm standing with my team. I would never quit on them. There's no quit in New York. Rangers in six. That's my new my new thing. I, I would love to see them close at the Garden, though, because that would just be the most epic night ever. And I will apologize in advance if that does happen on social media, because, Pad, that will get very ugly. Yeah, just a bit. You might have to take over the account. I'll probably get suspended that night. I'm just <laughs> going to put that out there right now. That's why you should be following all the members of the ODPH team. Because, trust me, Rangers win the Cup, I might get kicked off Twitter. It's entirely possible. There is, like, a high probability of that. Let's let's be honest about this. And Lord knows what else could happen. But final thoughts on the playoffs? 
Uh, it's been a great series to watch, and hopefully I don't have to watch another Rangers Game 7 because I can't lose more years off my life than I already have. Good God, man. I can't do it. Like, I'm trying to do comic blogs while I'm ri- watching, like, an intermission, and I can't You're do it. You're out of your mind. I'm shaking. No, I'm shaking. Like, I, I literally am on there because I'm obviously in a chat with Rich from 3FN, and when Coach Duffy makes an appearance, he's like the ghost that haunts. Yeah. We'll get, like, a random tweet about the game from him, and I even Sound Guy Galore JR has been now texting during the games. So we got like a nice little Ranger conversation. And we'll have that with you too, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag. Let's talk some hockey, damn it. Who you like, Colorado, or are you taking anybody coming out of the East? I know we're taking Rangers here. This is a unified front of the Ranger fans on this network. So definitely let's see what happens when they hit the ice. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Gotta talk a little local minute, obviously, uh, because looking at the games for the Rumble Ponies uh, since we last recorded... Uh, they had a double header on Thursday last week because there was a rain out on Wednesday because, hey, everybody got rained on that day. Mm-hmm. This is uh, uh, they split double header. They won the first game, lost the second one, uh, came back on Friday. These are all against the Somerset Patriots, by the way. Lost the game on Friday by the final score of 7-2. to two. Uh, Won on Saturday by the final score of 3-2. to two, And then lost on Sunday by the final score of 5-4. to four. Looking ahead to their games, they got this coming week. Uh, they are playing New Hampshire. Uh, from Tuesday through Sunday, uh, they are supposed to be having a game tonight as we record 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but as uh, as if you look at a radar or if well, if you happen to be uh, looking at the news, uh, got a little bit of rain coming through the Northeast. So that is on a delayed start. So we'll see about that. Uh, but then the rest of the week, uh, they're playing New Hampshire at 6.35 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Friday, they're playing at 7.05. Saturday, they're playing at 6.35. And then Sunday, they're playing at 1.05. And we should note, this coming weekend, uh, the 10th, 11th, and 12th are uh, being listed as Play Ball Weekend for the, hmm. for the Rumble Ponies. And I wasn't quite sure what that was. Snuck by me. Uh, but I did a little bit of a searching. And this from the uh, Minor League Baseball uh, website. Uh, this is an association with, so it's minor league baseball, USA Bas- Baseball, and USA Softball. Okay. Along with Major League Baseball. Uh, and it says minor league baseball, minor league clubs across the country are joining with their MLB counterparts to celebrate Play Ball Weekend on June 10th through the 12th, 2022. Clubs will host a variety of events to engage younger fans and share the fun of playing baseball and softball. Please see below for a list of clubs with events that are open to the public. Click on the team name to learn more and get ready to play ball. And so there's a whole list of teams. Everyone from the Akron Rubber Ducks to the Altoona Curve is on here. The Rumble Ponies are there. The Bowie Bay Sox are on there. The Buffalo Bisons. You know, you've got the Corpus Christi Hooks are on there. You've got the Harrisburg Senators are on there. The Nashville Sound are on there. The Spokane Indians are on there. you got a whole bunch of minor league teams on there. And then they include some photos, maybe give you a little bit of clue as to what's going on. I'm showing Ken. You know, you got some of the, some of the minor league players standing with some kids. It looks like the Chicago, one of the Chicago Cubs affiliates. Kids in the outfield doing the stretches like you see oh, them doing cool. spring training, working on some throwing drills, hitting drills. Looks like a whole lot of fun. Maybe some base running drills. Can never start that too early. So that looks like some awesome fun. So definitely uh, go to the minor league uh, baseball page. It's my. I, 
M I L B dot com slash fans slash playball weekend uh, to uh, get a whole list and see if your team is locally is participating in some events. Because hey, if you got a kid playing baseball, it's a good t- good time to get him involved. And in, hey, you could get some tips and pointers from some uh, professional players. It's always good to get some uh, tips, and it's always good to get kids involved. I yeah. mean, like that's a big thing for baseball because I mean. Yeah. Baseball's popularity, let's be honest, is kind of falling by the yeah, wayside a little bit. Yeah. So a little, you know, refocusing to get the youth yeah. involved with it, I think, yeah. is a good thing. So, yeah. you know, no arguments for me about that. And then switching to the Major League uh, Baseball because, hey, it's been a real good week for the Yankees. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, they are currently sitting in first place in the American League East and best record in baseball with a record of 39-15. and 15. they got a win percentage of 722, but, hey, who's, who's bragging? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. Uh, they are currently seven games up on the second-place Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, and just looking at some of the games they had last week, because the the Yankees starting pitching staff is fucking insane and out of their goddamn minds right now. This is true. I don't know what it is, but I, I want to lend credence to, and I didn't know this was a thing until the other day. It was something CC Sabathia, I guess, started in his time in New York. Okay. Where whoever was going to start the game obviously is in the bullpen and having their start their little warm-up tosses or their warm-ups before the game. He started a thing where all of the pitchers would go down there and watch him you know, critique him, give him advice, this and that, and then they'd go be done. All right, we're going out to the field. You know, so they're still doing this, even though CC Sabathia is not there in New York anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think you also got to lend credit to you. Just always, whenever I'm watching the game, you always see the the starters sitting together. Yeah. You know, even if even if they're not starting, they're you know, because some starters might not show up. They might sit in the clubhouse. They might just kind of lackadaisical. Not these guys. They're on the steps. They're on the seats. They're watching. They're critiquing. They're breaking stuff down. Oh, what did you see here? What did you think about this? So I think that's lending, lending some credit and some uh, ability to really pitch well because you look at Jordan Montgomery, who on the, during their game last week against the Anaheim Angels, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Angels, uh, won the game seven innings pitched, four hits, one run. Absolutely was a great performance. Then you had the game, uh, the doubleheader, uh, there was a makeup on from June 1st where they were going up against Shohei Otani, who they knocked him out after three innings. Yeah. And then you had Nestor Cortez, who is – who would have thought Nestor Cortez being as goddamn good as he is? Currently, uh, he's got one loss, but he had the game on the, uh, June 2nd where he went seven innings, five hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. Nestor Cortez, have a goddamn game, why don't you? Dude, I never thought he'd be this good. No. Uh, and then you had the second game where they uh, came back and you had Tyone come in and do eight innings, two hits, one run, five strikeouts. Uh, then they went into the series against Detroit where you had Garrett Cole go seven innings, two hits, no runs, nine strikeouts in a in a thirteen to nothing win. Finally coming alive there. Yeah. Uh, so they're just they're just clicking on all cylinders. It's awesome to see. Uh, interestingly, they do do have a three game series in Minnesota uh, starting tonight as we record. So hey, they're going to see Gary Sanchez again. Hey, hey. sticking up for his old buddy uh, Miguel Andujar, which I got to say one thing about Miguel Andujar, my guy. I realize you want playing time, and I realize you want to get traded. But why the fuck are you complaining about playing time in New York? Where the fuck are we going to put you? Yeah. You can play infield. You can play third base. Great. We've got Josh Donaldson, and then you've got DJ LeMahieu, who plays every infield position except for catcher. Mm-hmm. So we don't need you there. Oh, but we've converted you to an outfielder. Oh, wait. We've got Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Hicks, and Joey Gallo in the outfield. Why would we sit any of them for you? Yeah. Like, you're an, you're an emergency guy when there's a doubleheader. I, if you're traded, great. I wish you well in greener pastures. But for now, shut up. Yeah, he's got no argument. 
No. Uh, and then some other baseball news. Not a good week for managers named Joe last week. Hey. Uh, first, you had uh, Joe Girardi, former manager of the Yankees, uh, for, now former manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, got fired uh, on June 3rd. Uh, this was after, uh, this is despite having the reigning MVP in Bryce Harper, uh, five all-stars from last year and a payroll that is, according to Spotrack.com, they have a payroll that is the fourth highest in all of baseball at $230 plus million. Only the Yankees, Dodgers, and Mets are ahead of them. Uh, and this was with them starting 22 and 29. So Joe Girardi out. Uh, Rob Thompson, of course, former Yankees hitting coach, now acting manager. And it sounds like he'll be the acting manager through the end of the year for the Philadelphia Phillies. But yikes. Yeah. Not a good start for them. No, definitely not. Uh, and then obviously you've got the absolute fucking collapse that is the Los Angeles Angels, who fired Joe, Ma- uh, their manager, Joe Madden, today as we record. They're in the midst of a 12-game losing streak. Uh, they're currently sitting at, uh, what is it, 27-29. and 29. Uh, they have the eighth highest payroll in all of baseball. This is a team with, mind you, they have Mike Trout, Noah Syndergaard, Shohei Otani. They've got uh, what is it? Uh, Noah Syndergaard's on there as well. You know, they've got they've got a pretty decent team, but they've they've lost literally twelve games in a row. And I did not realize it until somebody pointed it out to me today. That American League West is fucking dog shit. It's the worst division in all of baseball, man. Because. Opinion. If if you the listener at home, I think Ken knows because I think I told him this already. But you the listener at home, if if you are the thinking where the Angels are if they've lost twelve games in a row, where do you think they would be in the division? Oh, probably last. Probably last, second to last. No, they're in fucking second place. You've got the Houston Astros who are in uh, first place with a record of thirty-five and twenty. You've got the Angels who are in second place. Mind you, I'm looking at their the box score. This is as we record. Showing Ken. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Angels, 27 and 29, 482 win percentage. They're eight and a half games back of first place. Then you got the home record, away record, runs scored, runs allowed, the differential streak. L twelve. Yeah. Last ten. 0-10. They're in second fucking place. Yeah, it's, it's egregious. Uh, you've got the Texas Rangers in third place at 25-28. and 28. The Mariners in uh, fourth at 25-30. and 30. And then the Athletics at 20-36. and 36. That division sucks. Division's trash. Uh-huh. Nothing else you can say about it. It's just no. trash. No. So, I mean, they got a lot of work to do, but let's go Yankees. I mean, that's what we talk uh-huh. about. Uh-huh. Right? Pretty much. Uh, let's see. So, for my quick hits, let's talk NFL. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Got the highest paid contract non-quarterback. Oof. Was it 90 guaranteed? 95. 95 guaranteed. 95. Salute to him. I, I It was funny. I was talking with Sango Galore, JR, about this, and he was like, yeah, I was ready to retire. 95 guaranteed. I think I'll come back. I would say, yeah, that is that is a very good motivator for, well, anybody. Yeah, so the L.A. Rams did what they had to do there. No yeah. arguments about that. But let us close this show out talking about the UFC. Yeah. Flying under the radar, and I'm kind of surprised it did. But there is a pay-per-view coming on yeah. Saturday starting 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, Pat, let's talk about this, shall we? Yeah, so I think we want to look, uh, going to look at the three main fights on the card. Uh, so this card is, of course, taking place Saturday, uh, June 12th, from the Singapore Indoor Stadium in Kalang, Singapore. Yes. Uh, so it's going to be real interesting to see the, the reaction from the crowd with this. I, don't, I, I think it's going to be a hot crowd. I can't remember the last time they went to Singapore, so I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, in the first fight we're going to talk about is in the women's strawweight division where you have Zhang Weili taking on Joanna Jurjacek. So this one, the first time they fought was the fight of the year. Uh-huh. Don't even at me otherwise. 
when they fought, this was the fight of the year. This was so back and forth. It was amazing. This really put the strawweight division on the map, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jerjacek was considered the untouchable force, and nobody could you know stand with her. And Zhang gave her all she could handle. It's been a while since we got back to the rematch. Yeah. But I think both fighters are in kind of a weird place right now for Jerjacek. I I think the mystique that she had is gone because of a thug rose. Yeah, a little bit. So it's where do you fight now? And obviously she tried dabbling a little bit in flyweight, didn't work out you know, mm-hmm. for a quick hiccup. Yeah. Obviously way better in a straw weight. And for Zhang, it's also another question of like where do you go from here? So this fight makes a lot of sense to me. It's going to be a lot like the first one, I think. Jerjacek is going to definitely want to keep Zhang to the outside. She's going to be working a lot of strikes in. Keeping the distance, I think Zhang might try pressuring her a little more with some grappling. Yeah. I can see that happening. If I got to go with a winner, this is tough. This really is tough, but I'm going to say Jerjacek. Okay. I think this could go to decision, uh, but I don't doubt Zhang winning this either, but if you're asking me right now, I would take Jerjacek. I think the striking, and I think that she has more to lose. With this one, because I think if she loses to Zhang, it's almost like where now? Yeah, like we don't have an answer. Well, yeah, no, this fight should certainly be interesting uh, simply because this is Joanna's first fight since she lost to Zhang Weili at UFC 248. That was on March 7th of 2020. So this is her first fight in over two years. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got Zhang Weili, who uh, had back-to-back losses against uh, Thug Rose. First one was back in April of last year. That was the head kick. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the last one was in November of last year. That was the split decision. So cool. uh, I'm going to go in this one. I'm going to go... I'm going to go uh, Zhang Weili. Uh, I think she's going to want to bounce back and show, hey, those th- those Thug Rose losses ain't nothing. I still got it. This is Jerjacek's first fight in two years? Yeah, according to her Wikipedia page, uh, her last fight was Zhang Weili, split decision, UFC 248, March 7th of 2020. And then she did flyweight before that, correct? Uh, the, the, so her, her last fight before the Zhang Weili fight was against Michelle Waterson. That was her return to strawweight. Right. And then prior to that, she lost to Valentina Shevchenko for the vacant UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. See... This is crazy because I could have swore she's fought in, in the middle of since then. Like, this is how we do it live on the, fo- on yeah. the air here, folks. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm not doubting Pad. It just, it, it's wild to me to think that this is her first fight back. Yeah, since March 7th, 2020. Wow. Yeah. For that, what, for whatever reason, I've, I've looked on her Wikipedia page. There's nothing here about an injury or what else. So, Something must have happened for her to have not fought in the last two years. I watch way too much fighting. I could have swore she had a fight in between, so I'm probably thinking when she took on Watterson. I I guarantee I got those two dates flipped up. This is how I'd be li- I, I don't lie to you, folks. Yeah. I, I give you those honest re- <laughs> opinions. This blows my mind, but still, like this is what Jerjacek has got to come back and, and show she's an elite fighter. And you can say about you know ring rust and all that. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm even looking on SureDog.com. Same thing. Her last fight was. Uh, uh, the Zhang Weili, March 7th, 2020. And then Watterson before that. Watterson before that, and then Valentina Shevchenko before that. Man, for some reason, and like I say, I watch way too much fighting, so that's probably why. I had it flipped in order. I thought she fought Zhang, then I thought that she fought Watterson, and then the Shevchenko one stands out, and obviously Shevchenko being on this card is bringing back a lot of memories of that because as we go to the next fight, mm-hmm. I don't think Jerjacek can go up, so it's a must-win for her. Yeah. But for Shevchenko, 
it's business as usual. Yeah, so this match is for the Women's Flyweight Championship, where you've got Valentina Shevchenko uh, defending her belt against Talia Santos. Uh, Shevchenko, in 25 professional matches, has a record of 22-3. and three. Uh, she is on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine fight win streak. Uh, and then on the flip side, Talia Santos, 20 professional matches, record of 19 and one, currently on a one, two, three, four fight win streak. Well, I mean, Shevchenko is one of the best fighters in all of MMA, men or women's division. It doesn't matter. She is a technician. And the only reason that I don't think she's moved up to uh, bantamweight mm-hmm. is because she can't beat Amanda Nunez. Probably. I, I can see that. Nunez just has her number. But it's no shame in being the queen of the flyweight. No. She is just running through this division. She's currently, according to UFC.com, a minus 630 favorite. Oof. Which oh, shit. Which Santos is a plus 450. Yeah. So this isn't as lopsided as... Pena right. Nunez. So right. I just want to bring right. that up. But honestly, until further notice, I don't see anybody coming up and challenging Shevchenko no. for this no. belt. Nothing against Santos. But when you talk about fighters on a different level, Shevchenko is just one of those fighters that, like, you're going to need somebody fighting their best fight, and she's going to have to get caught with something. Mm-hmm. Could could Santos get the upset? Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a fight. I just am going to say this will be Shevchenko. I think that she'll win in the in the third because obviously it's a title fight. It's going to go five rounds. Yeah, I think yeah. I'll say it in the third, and I say it could it could be a stoppage. Uh, this is nothing against Santos. Just Shevchenko's on a whole different level uh, since Shevchenko won the uh, fly the vacant fl- women's flyweight championship that was back in December of 2018. She's only gone the distance once, twice, three times. So that's one out of one, two, three. Four, five, six, uh, seven times. It's only gone the distance three times. Yeah. That one of which was when she won the vacant uh, title. The other of which was against Liz Carmouche. That was in August of 2019. And then the third one was against Jennifer Maya. That was in November of 2020. I don't think this is going the distance here either. I'm going to say this is going to be a second round knockout. Yeah, I could see that happening. Because I mean. uh, her last two fights, TKO, elbows and punches. TKO. Elbows. I think she's gonna make it a hat trick. Yeah, she's vicious. Like I say, I, lo- I love watching her fight because it's so technical. But she goes for the win each time. So that's one thing. Like I think that she gets overshadowed a lot because she's so dominant in that division. And the flyweights, I don't think have ever gotten their proper due. No, because it is an exciting division. But she's just so dominant that it's like you need somebody to either really drop down from bantamweight if they can, or a strawweight to really sneak in there. And make some noise. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if Santos is the one for this fight, but I'm just going to say Shevchenko in the third, and then we get to the main event. Yeah, so this is for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship, where you've got Glover to share defending his belt against, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Prochaka. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jiri Prochaka. Uh, Glover to share in 40 professional matches, has a record of 33 wins, seven losses, is currently on a one, two, three, four, five, six fight win streak. And then Jiri on the flip side has 32 professional matches and a record of 28 wins, three losses, one draw, and is currently on a, whoa, geez, one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 fight win streak. His last loss coming on the December 31st, 2015, when he was fighting for Ryzen. Yeah. Good Lord. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I love Glover Shashera. I think he's had a great career. 
He's on that other side of 40. I can tell you right now, my prediction, he's getting his ass knocked out. Yeah. I'm looking at Jiri's stats because I've never heard of this dude. Like I mentioned, 28 wins, 25 are by knockout, two by submission, one by decision. What the shit? Pat, there's one word I describe Jiri as. Savage. Yeah, I'd say so. He does not mess around. He's the, he's the scariest guy to rock a man bun in the UFC, and I am not afraid to say that. Uh-huh. He is a absolute killer when he gets in the cage. He is going to make short work of Glover. I And like I said, this is nothing against Glover. No. We need to remember when he first came into the UFC, people were ducking him, and we're talking names. And Glover came in with so much hype, and it didn't pan out. He, he no. wasn't the guy to stop John Jones. No. But he has been going through this weird renaissance yeah. in this in this back end of his career here. Because he is currently 42 years old, 42 and a half years old. He turns 43 in October. Yeah. There's not a lot of fight time left for him. You don't, you don't see guys making title runs and title defenses at 40-plus years old. No, and, and that's the one thing about him. The fact that he won the title is, is amazing. Yeah. I take nothing away from that. It was, it was one of the most feel-good stories ever because... He had been basically forgotten about in this division and then snuck in there and, and stole a win. Pretty much. But Jury is on a different level, man. I'm telling you, if you have never seen this guy fight, he is an absolute savage. I was saying his one draw was back in December 20th of 2014 uh, for a fight night's battle of Moscow 18, whatever that is. Uh, and that was a majority draw. Yeah. And it was three five, and it was three five-minute rounds out of Moscow, Russia. So dude can go. Dude is legit. Like I say, he's the future of the division. We were all kind of wondering if like, it was going to be Johnny Walker or Dominic sure. Reyes you know, sure. back, back when there was like a nucleus. And this guy just flew in there and just absolutely has been running through that division. Oh, my God. I'm looking at his shits. So uh, his, in his UFC time, he's only got the two fights. Uh, he knocked out Volkan, Medzir. Uh, Savagely. Uh, UFC 251 back in July of 2020. Then he went against Dominic Reyes and knocked him out with a spinning back elbow. That was in May of 2020 or May of last year. Then before he got that, his last Ryzen fight, he knocked a dude out. Uh, prior fight to that, knocked a dude out. Then knocked a dude out. Knocked a dude <laughs> out. Knocked a dude out. Knocked a dude out. Like, are you seeing a thing? No, uh, a pattern here. His last fight that wasn't a knockout was a dis- unanimous decision win in September of 2016. Yeah. Holy fuck. Like, listen, Glover's got a puncher's chance, but... I don't see this happening. No. I, I really don't. Holy like, shit. Like, the fact that he has come in with this much force and he is just running through people, I would say this. I know that John Jones is going back up to heavyweight if and when he does fight again. Allegedly. Allegedly. We have to stress that. But if he was ever going to fight somebody at light heavyweight, I would love to see what he'd do against Yuri. Uh-huh. I would, I would too. Lo- this would be the money fight to do instead of whatever he's going to be doing. I think he's got uh, Stipe coming up. But the, they're still arguing about the date or some nonsense with that. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because now you're going to see it, the. I, I just don't see this going any other way. Like you can try telling me, like Glover could sneak in there with a with a with a crazy punch that has got some you know serious old man strength behind it. But I just don't see it happening. I think the the fairy tale's over. I don't think there's any shame in it. Glover got to the belt finally. His story is movie worthy. But I think now it's time for Yuri. Yeah, you can't tell me otherwise. Minus two hundred favorite. No, which no, I mean it's not even that big because Glover's a plus one seventy. Yeah. So yeah. to translate it in Vegas terms, they have this a lot closer than we do. Yeah, I'd say so. But that's why I say like I, I'm just telling you right now, I would avoid this fight if I was gambling. Be responsible if you do. Yes. So we always stress that here on the ODPH. 
Uh, but man, it's gonna be Yuri's night. I think we're gonna see a, a highlight real knockout from him coming soon. I think so too. I'd be shocked if it goes past the second round. I would be very, very shocked. Either way, UFC 275 is on ESPN Plus for your pay-per-view needs. So if you're looking for a fight to watch this weekend, definitely consider that because they'll have a lot of stuff going on with that. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some music to close out the show pad. And we had a friend of ours who played a really big show down in Austin, Texas. That's what I hear. His name is Brian Wolf. He's got a new EP out. Yeah. Which Brian should be sending to the ODPH. I know he listens. So, But, Pat, if I want to find out more about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over music section. Check out everything with him. Everything I'm going to shout. Second suitor who's at now adding wrestling to Suitor Slam. Garrett Holiday and Sean Carr, I believe, are going to be wrestling on it. They got a lot of things going on with that event. So if you want to find out about that, that's why you go over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Or Second Suitor. Everything going on with Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, all the amazing musicians that give us their music each and every week for the 607 Podcast Family and Network Podcast. Also, on the website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping. Like we said, Dre dropped one out of nowhere. So did Coach. Yeah. Coach is now dropping hockey blogs. Like I said, I have to start because I'm like, when we get these emails, they come randomly, but they're filled with a lot of information. To talk about hockey. I'm here to talk about hockey. We talk Rangers. That's what we do here. No quit in New York. But you can read all about that and all, everything else going on. Additional content for free on the podcast website. Enough said. Also, while you're at this ODPHpodcast.com, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as our fam over at 8122 Productions, who's got a lot of crazy things going on for Patreon. So if you're not signed up, get signed up. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else after that, you talk to Diesel. Pad knows. Yeah. Then that's all we leave it at. Do it at your own risk. We do not want to be liable for anything that happens there. Also, we have organizational link support and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we're in via the Podchaser pages. And we have got other friends of the show, too, that you need to go check on in the classified section. That's all we say about that. We are, we're so thankful for everybody there. Also, the directory. We're pad. How many providers are we on this week? Oh, 67,715. Sounds about right. You know, I kind of lost track a little bit. But if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know. It will make that happen. Or at least try to, anyway. All of that, the T Public Store. And we can't stress enough, after you get done checking out odphpodcast.com, if you're one of our content-creating friends, or if you're a really good friend of the show, shoot us an audio shout-out for the fifth-year anniversary show. Like we said, we're going to plug in as many as we can into the Tuesday edition coming out next week. So there's one week to prepare. Shoot us a line. We've already got some great ones in. Like I say, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, there was one that really made me laugh out loud like hysterically laugh because when pad hears it, he's going to know exactly what it is too. And we we're just so thankful. Anybody wants to give a shout out. So it's not optional, but listen, if you want to get your words in, definitely we're going to include it because we want to try to include everybody into the party going on for that. All of that. And so much more odphpodcast.com. Let's wrap it up this way. That's all I got for this week. So Pat and Juan Uh To the individual who stole the World Series banner from outside Minute Maid Park in Houston, you're a goddamn American hero. And I salute you. Legend. Why? Because fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the OTPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
Wait.